You are listening to Packers Now. Get the latest updates on the green gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Ben Kurkowski, and today we are going to dive into our general manager Mondays where we are going to make free agency signing and then run through a mock draft to help put this Packers team in the best spot going into next season. We focus on signing an edge rusher and a cornerback now, and now I want to uh, go after... A little smaller free agent, one that's probably a little more reasonable knowing the Packers salary cap situation Um, uh, going into the start of the free agency this week. So uh, this last weekend, the Packers made several moves in order to get a uh, to get under the cap number for 2021. Those moves included restructuring safety Adrian Amos's uh, contract and versatile offensive lineman Billy Turner's. These moves basically turned some base salary into signing bonus so they could push some of their camp hits into 2022. Okay. And so uh, you got Adrian Elmos. He was the best coverage safety in the NFL last season. Honestly, the most consistent safety in the NFL since joining the league. And then you had Billy Turner. He's been the most versatile player the Packers could ask for on our offensive line as he played above average at left tackle, right tackle, and right guard last season as he just moved all over the place as the Packers needed him. But the most notable move the Packers management didn't make was restructuring Preston Smith's contract. I truly thought Preston Smith was set to be cut, which made uh, just made perfect sense. He had a t- terrible 2020 campaign. His pressures were more than cut in half. But GM Brian Gutekind somehow convinced Preston Smith and his agent for him to basically take a pay cut. And this almost is never able to happen in the NFL. And here's how he made it work. Preston Smith was set to have a $16 million cap hit in 2021. But what the Packers did is they reduced his base salary down about $11 million, gave him a $6.5 million signing bonus, and allowed him and allowed him to earn back $4.4 million, basically, uh, max, by how many sacks he's able to generate this season. So if he has 14-plus sacks, he'll get $4.4 million back. Um, all in all... This move by itself created about $7.25 million in cap savings, which is insane because the craziest thing about this move is that the Packers still saved almost the same amount of money by remaking this contract as they would have had for simply cutting Preston Smith. And now they have the player and the money, and that's huge. Preston Preston Smith did have a down year last year, but he's still a great veteran edge rusher you want on your team. I I believe that. I just the money didn't make sense before, and now it does. This is huge for the Packers. It's going to make finding depth on the edge a lot easier, uh, because pass rushers are the highest played, paid players on the market, and it can be difficult to find guys in the draft as well. And the Packers aren't usually in a place to draft a top five or a top ten player uh, edge rusher in order to find someone you totally believe in. And so, this is really big for the Packers. Uh, Preston Smith. I didn't think he would make this kind of deal uh, but uh, his agent and Brian Gudikins had been talking and they realized he probably wouldn't be getting more than five million six million on the open market anyways and so this worked out well for both parties and so very excited about this move and I think this move is just a huge it's a it's an a-plus move by the Packers staff and very uh, impressed with Russ Ball our cap management guy our salary cap contract guy because this is just an impressive contract um, to be able to work this on a team that's trying to go to the Super Bowl and needed to make cap space and this was just a great great way to be able to make that happen and a a big reason 
why this is so important is now the Packers are in a place with less needs going into the draft. That's that's big time. You need to be able to enter the draft and say, hey, I'm not going to let my team needs entirely control who I draft in each, in each round. I'm not. If you do, you will overdraft players consistently. Most NFL teams fail players. I don't think players fail teams. I think the idea of a bust for top NFL players, it's more likely that these players were just overdrafted. Teams over-evaluated how good these players could be, usually because of usually because of a positional need they had on their team. So going into the draft with that not being a huge need for the Packers, you are looking at drafting the best player available. And yes, that might be a position you need. And that's okay. Uh, But the problem is when there are five guys better than the guy you are taking, but because they don't fit your roster needs right now, you grab this guy way down the board. And that's where you start to see drafts that consistently aren't doing very well. There is one move I do have to talk about here. I recorded this podcast yesterday, actually, and then all this news broke out, kind of threw me for a loop here. I am jumping in here, but the Packers have brought Aaron Jones back to Green Bay. He signed a four-year, $48 million deal to stay in Green Bay, which right away does bug me a little bit, and you guys know that uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, PFF war wins above replacement. Uh, shows us, tells us the data, statistics, um, research matters, data matters. Uh, it makes running backs out to be the most replaceable players in the NFL. You can go back in time and you can see some of these undrafted running backs over the last few years who have had extreme success. You th- look at Philip Lindsay, you look at uh, the Jaguars running back this year. Every year you can find guys like that. Okay, uh, Running backs are easily replaceable. They're some of the most talented athletes coming into the NFL every single season and getting those guys on rookie contracts is so cheap. And then you go back in time, you look at some of the deals, these big contracts that running backs have been paid over the last three to five years. And you can see almost no, none of these running backs have lived up to expectations. Okay. Uh, Todd Gurley, Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott. None of those guys have lived up to expectations, have been able to prove their worth based off of that contract. And even guys who have played well, like Delvin Cook and Elvin Kamara this last year, aren't able to take their team over the top because the reality is when you are paying your running backs, you can't afford to pay the offensive line in front of them. And the offensive line is honestly 75% of the reason why a running back has the success it does. And Aaron Jones has played with the top five offensive line the last two seasons. And it also happens to be his coming out party the last two seasons. You only have so much. And what this move does is it is it combined with a lot of other moves is going to put the Packers in a place where they're going to keep pushing money down the line for a very long time until it all crashes and burns down like it has with the Patriots last year. And now as it's about to with the saints, there is some benefits to this contract though. I do really like one being 12 million a year is like the fifth to seventh highest paid running back in the league, which really isn't that bad. Um, But the other thing though, is that it's actually not really 12 million a year. It sounds like the contract is very incentive laden, meaning he has to have this many yards or this many touchdowns in order to earn money back. Um, And because of that, which uh, set up, that's really good for the Packers. Then uh, the Packers are playing him maybe or paying him maybe nine million a year with about three million in incentives. And if he hits those incentives, that means we probably did really, really, really good that season. He had a really good season, and that probably is going to take us over the top to the Super Bowl, which would obviously be ideal and worth the money. The other thing is, I don't believe this contract is guaranteed past year two. 
a lot of those bad contracts I spoke of before had these four to six year deals, you know, 75% of it was guaranteed. Um, and if Aaron Jones doesn't end up living up to expectations, which he probably won't, um, the Packers should be able to move on in two years, which will benefit this team in a big way. So although I don't think it's smart to re-sign a running back on a, but on a pretty much two-year deal that is incentive-based, that keeps his contract under $10 million a year, this decision isn't as bad as it could have been. The one thing I really do dislike about re-signing Aaron Jones, though, it means the Packers truly did waste the second-round pick in A.J. Dillon in the last in the last draft. A.J. Dillon was supposedly drafted to be the replacement for Aaron Jones, but then they re-signed Aaron Jones. And if the Packers were going to do that, they should have just drafted a more valuable player, like a defensive back, like a receiver, someone that could have helped the Packers in 2020, and we'd be entirely relying on now in 2021. And... Now we're talking about having a second round pick that's not a quarterback sitting on the bench for 75% of the offensive snaps this season. And that sucks because the move of signing Aaron Jones to me tells me, hey, we brought AJ Dillon in. We were excited about him. We don't think he's that good. He's not that dynamic. And it's that's hard to hear as I read between the lines of the signing of Aaron Jones and to know AJ Dillon's probably not the guy that means that that means they're, Hey, he's not ready or he is just not as good as we hoped he'd be. And that's pretty disappointing knowing you used a second round pick on a running back last season in a year where you needed, you need to upgrade. And now we're seeing holes on our roster at tackle at cornerback and at slot cornerback at maybe linebacker, even add into your defensive line, maybe even, maybe even a receiver who needed time to develop these are a lot of positions you could have filled at that second round pick last year, but because you thought AJ Dillon was the future of your team, you picked a running back, but that's not the case because you just signed Aaron Jones to a four-year deal. That's what doesn't make sense to me. That's what's a little hard for me about this signing, but let's move into our general manager Monday. And so as I now, as we get into our general manager Monday, knowing how the weekend went, um, and as I look into free agency for this general manager Monday, I truly think the Packers can spend about a total around uh, $10 million in free agency and still be okay for this year and for the future. And for the sake of this general manager Monday, I'm still go- only going to grab one player. And the player I would have the Packers go out and sign is last year's starting right tackle Mitchell Schwartz for the Kansas City City Chiefs. Schwartz was cut by the Chiefs in order to try and get under the cap. Schwartz had recently had surgery. His season ended early, had surgery. He's actually considering retirement at almost 32 years old. But if he does decide he wants to play next season, Schwartz has been one of the most steady right tackles in the NFL over the last nine seasons. If Schwartz came in to start on the right side for the Packers, our offensive line shouldn't skip a beat next season, and we'd... and we could come back protecting Rodgers just as we get, just as good as we did a, a majority of the regular season in 2020. Schwartz's season uh, was cut short due to his injury, but before that, he was coming off an elite season, which led to the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl. And if Schwartz can even get close to that play again, he would be a steal for a two-year, $10 million deal. And with this scenario, the Packers would still have about $5 million they could spend. And that money needs to be saved for either right before or right after the NFL draft where the Packers could find a couple key veteran guys to fill the last final holes of this roster. 
The Packers need to have money set aside for that exact scenario. There are going to be some really good veteran players who are not signed into in April and May and June, and these are the guys who would be absolute bargains at that point. Use your $5 million extra dollars to go out, sign two big free agents to help the Packers really win the Super Bowl in 2021 with that extra cash. So now, let's move into this draft for the Packers. And technically, the Packers are set to have 10 picks going into the draft. And for the sake of this draft, uh, mock draft, I'm going to run through the first seven of those picks and assume the Packers will just need to trade up a few times to grab some of these players I'm mentioning who may actually be drafted a hair higher than where the Packers are picking currently in each round. Starting with the first round pick, with the promising future of Rashawn Gary, the return of Preston Smith on a much more team-friendly deal, and the still elite Zedaria Smith, our pass rush should really improve next season. It really should take a step forward. Last year, Kenny Clark didn't have the best year either, but Clark is still just 24 years old and has played at an elite level before. He's just a year away from having 69 pressures on the interior defensive line, which is kind of unheard of unless you're Aaron Donald. And with these guys all coming back, there isn't much left to do on the Packers defensive line. Yet the Packers still usually have at least one more interior defensive lineman on the field each play. While the Packers are excited about what Kingsley Kiki can do, he still doesn't have a super high ceiling, especially with um, him being injured as much as he is. And then the other guy who they've had playing the last couple years, especially last season, is Dean Lowry, who I really think should be cut. He played the second most snaps among along the interior defensive line last season. And there's going to be a lot of snaps to replace because of that. With that reality, the Packers could really ask someone here with their first pick in the draft to round out this defensive line group. I think they will. I think with a -a one-of-a-kind player in defensive tackle, Christian Barmore of Alabama. Barmore is 6'5", 310 pounds, and can play anywhere on your interior defensive line. This guy is special. He's only played just the last two years of college football, but was dominant throughout. He played at an elite level the last two seasons especially as a pass rusher, which is super important. He had 39 pressures just this last season from the interior. He has incredible flexibility for his size, extremely long limbs, which make rushing the passer from the interior interior even more dangerous. But he doesn't just win with his size or athleticism either. He's fairly crafty already with his hand usage as a pass rusher. And one of my favorite things about him is that he is very young. I believe he's still just 20 years old redshirt sophomore which reminds me a ton of Kenny Clark coming out just one of the youngest players in the class it still has already played at a dominant level if we add Barmore our defensive line would be special as a pass rushing group and that would give our new Packers defense which would be very similar to the Rams defense a season ago some guys on the interior to work with okay the Rams defense worked so well last year yes because they had Jalen Ramsey but also most importantly importantly because they had Aaron Donald who was special on the interior for them. The only reason the Packers beat up on that defense in the playoffs was because Donald was injured. Joe Barry, our defensive coordinator, knows how important a guy like Barmore could be for his defense. And now he has two guys that both have the potential to play like Aaron Donald at times in Kenny Clark and Christian Barmore with this pick. With our second round pick, I'm going to attack our secondary. We all know this is the biggest hole on the entire team for the Packers after watching Kevin King and Chan Sullivan be a disaster in the NFC Championship game, and we need to add some guys to improve our secondary. Because if the Packers can even get some just just above average play from our other boundary corner, the Packers could be in a very good spot with our coverage. The Packers are going to be playing a lot more zone in 2021 in our new defense, and... 
because of that, I could see the Packers eyeing up a taller, longer corner who could fit well in this scheme. The Packers may be inclined to really give Josh Jackson a try after a very disappointing first couple seasons in the NFL. But before this upcoming year, the Packers asked their corners to play a lot of man coverage where Josh Jackson just can't compete. In this new scheme, he may actually be able to be a decent number two corner. And as much as I want to believe that, I think Josh Jackson has a chance to do well in a heavy zone scheme. I think specifically, I think of the Colts when I think of Josh Jackson's actually in his future, uh, which we don't run that exact scheme, but a similar one. And I want him to, I really want to believe he can do well, but we can't rely on that to happen. And his contract is up the following season anyway. So we need to loan up, load up on the cornerback position. The guy I want to, I want the Packers to grab here is Greg Newsom, quarterback out of Northwestern. So Newsom is six foot one, 190 pounds. Honestly, just the ideal cornerback when it comes to his size. And not only that, but his athleticism as well. It's a weird time right now. We don't have an official NFL combine, but he did reportedly run a 4-3-1 40-yard dash at his pro day, which would make him even faster than Jair Alexander. In no way am I saying, is he a better prospect than Jair? But if that 40 time is correct. If the Packers had guys at that pro day and he had that, he actually has that kind of speed. He has the potential to really develop in the NFL over his first two seasons at Northwestern. He honestly was below average in coverage, but in 2020, in 2020, he actually only allowed 35.3% of his targets to be caught, gave up less than hundred yards on the entire season. And the opposing average passer rating was just a 31.7, which is, is terrible. Those are all incredible numbers. And I think because he played in the Big Ten, has only done this once, he may not be valued as highly, and I think could be available for the Packers later in the second round. If we add Newsom with his spot speed and size, he could be a great complement to Jair on the other side of, the, of our new defense if Josh Jackson is still not ready to be the guy, but really gives the Packers two solid options on the outside behind Jair Alexander going into next season. Then, moving on to round three, the Packers already have a great offense and a lot of guys who are going to get better next season, like their tight ends and their wide receivers outside of Devontae Adams. Because of that, in the third round, the Packers are going to keep going all in on this defense. We've already fixed the outside cornerback position, and now we're going to move to the slot with Javon Holland, who's a slot cornerback slash safety out of Oregon. Holland started his career playing safety for Oregon in 2018. And then in 2019, he moved into the slot cornerback position primarily. Over those two seasons, he was a ball hawk. During that time, he had a combined 20 pass breakups and interceptions. This guy maybe isn't a special athlete, but he is a special processor as he reacts ridiculously fast on the field with his size, length, game speed, and versatility. Holland would be a great addition to our defense. The Packers really need a third defensive back they can rely on. Chan Sullivan was our guy last season, and he was definitely below par. Replacing Holland with Sullivan, uh, or replacing Sullivan with Holland, would give the Packers some serious versatility with five defensive backs looks, allowing the defense to not reveal um, what we're doing on any given play. Knowing either Javon Holland, Darnell Savage, or Adrian Amos all could be rotating a certain direction to either cover in the slot, be in the box, or be back deep as a safety. And I really like that about Holland. I feel really comfortable about him being playing deep as a safety. Or being in the slot, okay? And so we, 
I really like Holland a lot. I We didn't get to see him play in 2020 because Oregon was in the Pac-12. And it's easy to look at his statistics and see his grading over the last his first two years in college football and say he could have even developed even more and his third season and he would have been way better I think he would have been and I think his draft stock would be pushing him up into the second round but because he couldn't play I think the Packers could get a real a real steal here in the third round moving into day three the Packers have two picks in the fourth round because of that I'm going to attack a position that seems like it may not be necessary after the moves we made over the this last weekend with the Preston Smith restructure, the Packers are in a place where it feels like edge talent just isn't necessary to put any draft stock in at this point. Although edge rushers, um, we possibly draft won't have a ton of playing time this year with three very good edge rushers already on this team. We've seen it before that the Packers are always ready to draft for the future. And I don't think that's changing anytime soon. And that's not a bad thing. Okay. You have to be ready for the future. And you have to realize edge rusher is one of the most important positions on any NFL team only, I think, behind QB, offensive tackle, and cornerback. Right now, the second highest paid position other than QB is the edge rusher position on the open market. And with that being true, almost never will you see the Packers being able to afford to sign edge rushers on the open market. And with the Packers having a tight salary cap every year, the Packers will always be in a position as well where they might need to cut and move on from veteran guys on this roster. And I don't know if you looked at this roster, but there aren't many veteran players on it. And as I look in the future, if the Packers ever need to cut a player or two to open up cap room in 2022 or 2023, the easiest players to cut would be both Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. And I wouldn't be surprised if that would happen, especially if the Packers have some young players they really like behind them. So here are the two edge rushers I really like on day three of this draft. The first is Cameron Sample, edge, Tulane. I love this guy, and here's why. This is a player who stood out at the Senior Bowl. I love the Senior Bowl, and I haven't been able to talk about it enough, but every year, this week of practice tells us so much about prospects. There are so many guys who dominate at the Senior Bowl, and we haven't heard of them, or we just haven't gotten to see much of them against top competition, and Cameron Sample is a guy who put himself on my radar at the Senior Bowl. During one-on-one drill, Sample had a 78% win rate as a pass rusher and the highest pass rushing grade of any in defensive lineman and edges at the entire Senior Bowl. I really like what Sample brings at 6'3", 280 pounds. He played four years of college football, and every year he just got better and better as a run defender, as a tackler, as a pass rusher. I feel like Sample just having that consistent development and winning at the Super Senior Bowl makes him just a great depth piece on your defensive line, and you could even have have him add some weight to be more of an interior defensive lineman or stay where he's at and be versatile, similar to uh, Zadarius Smith. I feel like Sample is a high floor guy who just may be a, who just may be solid at the NFL level. The second edge guy I want to talk about is Jordan Smith, edge rusher out of UAB. This guy definitely sticks out. He's six foot seven, two hundred fifty five pounds. He started out his career at Florida. He got suspended. We didn't see him in action for three years until 2019, where he dominated, though, at a small school, UAB. This is a guy who uses his length and arms really well, and that showed as he was one of the best pass rushers at the group of five level. He's an older prospect because of the off the field issues and then the transfer, but is a very good player. And if he could figure out how to add some more muscle and weight to his frame, could de- could develop into a quality edge rusher in the NFL. And I, th- I see him, honestly, very similar to Preston Smith with that size, that length, uh, as a day three pick, 
um, on a guy with this type of stature, if you can get this guy on an NFL diet and if he has figured out his life, he is a very high ceiling moving into the NFL. Guys like Preston Smith and guys like uh, Zadarius Smith took like year four or year five for them to even be the players they really were in the NFL. And I could see that from both of these edges I just talked about. And so moving into the last round, we'll cover for this mock draft in the fifth round. It's about time we add some weapons for Rodgers and especially in our backfield. The first guy I'll add here is Amari Rodgers, wide receiver out of Clemson. Rodgers interests me a lot. He was a kind of the man in the Clemson offense this season. He's strictly a slot receiver, though, but he can definitely make guys miss. As he had the seventh most forced missed tackles in 2020. He works almost strictly out of the slot, though, and with good straight line speed, he can be a vertical threat while still forcing missed tackles and creating yards after catch out of the slot. With his unique build, though, at 5'10", 210 pounds, he reminds me a lot of Ty Montgomery, who the Packers once drafted as a receiver, and then he made the full-time switch to running back. That tr- transition may be in store for Amari Rodgers, which I know Matt LaFleur would really love having a guy who can win as a pass catcher out of the backfield and, yeah, just be this athletic specimen who has been a successful uh, receiver at the college level. I really like that idea, having that smaller slot running back option on this team for the Packers. At the worst, he could take on that role that Tyler Irvin, Tavon Austin have tried to play on those jet sweep play actions the Packers have been running for years. The last player I will mention for this mock draft is Chuba Hubbard, running back out of Oklahoma State. A year ago, if you would have said Chuba's name, you would say he was one of the best running backs in college football And after he had a 2,000-plus yard season in 2019. For some reason, he decided to go back to college after two very strong seasons already on his resume. In 2020, his stock went down big time as his volume and efficiency decreased as a runner, and he didn't finish the season after an ankle injury that took him out here in 2020. Although he did have a poor season, he's still an incredibly hard runner at 6'1", 207 pounds, and he can fit very well within his own scheme with a terrific jump cut ability. He has this agility to bounce outside, bounce inside on a dime, and just great decisiveness as a runner. And he can. And the big thing is he can turn up the speed once he hits the crease. Okay, And that reminds me a lot of Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones was not super fast coming into the NFL. Uh, he just has great burst, and once he hits the crease, he goes. I really like Hubbard, and he's shown in 2019 that he can be a lead back and really carry the load as well. I think he is the, he is the mix this Packers team would need as he isn't the pass-catching weapon that Amari Rodgers could be out of the backfield, but he also isn't the bulldozer that A.J. Dillon is either. Hubbard adds the decisiveness as a runner, agility, and above-average speed to be an efficient runner in our offense. I think this I like this pick a lot, and I think Hubbard is being very undervalued going into the draft. In conclusion, here we see another way to take this Packers team over the top in 2021 to get to the Super Bowl. We signed a veteran right tackle who was a real upgrade over Rick Wagner, who was a street free agent, so it didn't hurt our compensatory picks for 2022, which is so important. This move also solidifies our offensive line for Rodgers and our running game. We added the depth our running back room needs with a pass-catching weapon like Amari Rodgers and a proven star running back in Chuba Hubbard, who will fit perfectly in the Packers' zone scheme. Then we really added to this defense. The Packers added three defensive linemen, two on the edge to give this team some depth, maybe some players for the future, and one big name in Christian Barmer, who 
Barmore, who is one of my favorite interior defensive linemen prospects coming into the NFL over the last few seasons. I think him alone will change the complexity of our pass rush, having another guy other than Kenny Clark who um, will make our pass rush so good, and we can now consistently push the pocket from the inside, making Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, and Zadari Smith all even better in 2021. And we found more pieces along our secondary, like Greg Newsom and Javon Holland, who will make our pass coverage even better in 2020 after being the fourth best pass coverage unit in the entire NFL. The Packers were able to really create an entirely more dynamic defense with a few additions as well to our keep our offense just as, a, as good as it was in 2020. So that's all we have today, folks. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes of Packers Now. This week is a big week for free agency, so get excited. If you haven't already, though, make sure to subscribe, give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast, and tell your friends about Packers Now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Thanks, guys.